We are now in preparation of heading out with members of the South African Police Service. Um, they're doing patrols around the whole of Gauteng to try and combat um, people who are in breach of the national lockdown. I've been asked to come here by a doctor because I'm displaying some of the symptoms of the disease. On today's episode of Boots on the Ground, behind SA's national lockdown, Graham goes on a ride along with South Africa's late-night lockdown enforcers, Alex has a COVID scare, and SA's lockdown gets extended by another two weeks. In the short podcast series, we will follow Sunday Times reporter Alex Patrick and senior reporter Graham Hoskin as they track, record, and reflect on the real events and people that make up SA's biggest COVID-19 news stories. For Boots on the Ground, I am Zama Lutuli. We have just overcome week two of SA's national lockdown, and as it stands, 1,934 South Africans have been confirmed as infected, 18 have died, and the president has just announced a two-week extension of the lockdown. Fellow South Africans, This evening, I stand before you to ask you to endure even longer. I have to ask you to make even greater sacrifices so that our country may survive this crisis and so that tens of thousands of lives may be saved. After careful consideration, the National Coronavirus Command Council has decided to extend the nationwide lockdown by a further two weeks beyond the initial 21 days. The announcement left South Africans reeling with the reality that the lockdown is, at least for the next three weeks, the new normal. Our reporters Graham and Alex also noticed some growing pains as essential services came to terms with their new normal. Graham began the week patrolling with officers whose new role in society included keeping South Africans at home at all times. We are now in preparation of heading out with members of the South African Police Service. Um, They're doing patrols around the whole of Gauteng to try and combat um, people who are in breach of the national lockdown. The, the duties that you're doing now, you say you're looking for people who are infringing the national lockdown. Yeah, I, myself, what I, what I do is, uh, I'm starting here about 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I'm looking for people in the, running around the streets because that's your criminals. Okay. Looking for them. So, have you noticed like a lot of crime increasing in... That's crime went down, you won't believe it. Do you know what went up? Uh-huh. House molest. House molest? House molest went up. You can't believe it. We had about... Two hours robberies last night, mm. which was quite cool, uh, which was low. Yeah. And uh, hijackings. We didn't hear it. Last week we haven't heard about hijackings. Okay. We were shook, so we don't know everything. Yeah. House breakings. It went down. Mass on the bar. Serious, eh? So how many how many calls for that for domestic abuse will you get? Yes, you will get about twenty a night. 
everything that they've got basically to ensure enforcement is happening. I mean, been here in Pretoria this evening and it's been dead quiet so it definitely seems to be working uh, although we have come across one or two vehicles and police have been quite lenient towards those a lot of the people that they've stopped have said look we're going out quickly to fill up with petrol um, you know they, they are health workers, essential services workers uh, so police are quite, quite lenient towards them Often giving people a first warning, first and final warning. Um, it's been quite interesting to see what's what's happening and how they're trying to keep the the, the laws in place and people obeying the laws. Graham Source pleaded with South Africans to remember that law enforcers are just doing their best to help keep the community safe, keeping in mind that their duty in society has shifted dramatically. In the last few weeks. Look, people must realize that we are almost also not just human. We see a guy homeless like that, now he's got nowhere to go. Mm. He's going to sleep somewhere, he's got a small blanket, that's it. Mm. Everybody judged him and chased him away. I told that guy now to go there. 
the United Nations sweater, tents and just stuff where you can get some food there, maybe a warm blanket mm. and sleep there. And it's much safer for them. What was his response? He said thank you, he knows where it is, we'll go tomorrow just at this time of night. He doesn't want to walk, he doesn't want to get arrested. So he's uh, going there tomorrow or if the vans mm. uh, get him, they will pick him up and take him there. Which I think is a, is a great idea. But unfortunately, SA's health services were not as open about the efforts that they had implemented to fight the virus. Alex was less than impressed when she and other journalists were turned away from a pre-arranged ride-along in Johannesburg's newly launched mobile testing clinics. Yeah, so day 11, if anybody knows me, they know that I do not lose my cool. But today, today, oh, I lost my shit. Yeah, I was quite upset about the red tape. Here are some snippets of Alex's aggravating day at the clinic. Um, we're here to follow the mobile testing clinics. We've been given permission by the health department. But now, Tina, our media liaison officer is not aware of it. We, we've got our own here. Yeah. It, and it, it, has, it has to come down. I presumed he had because I asked him yesterday. No, we were only told about two uh, people SABC and Radio France. Those are the only two people. And NCA. And NCA is already gone. Um, okay, so is there any way that we could talk to the Media personnel. Yeah. Thank you. How's it going otherwise? It's going well until we're now you came. <laughs> it has been going well. Oh. What's wrong with us coming? Because everywhere we're going, everyone's saying, oh, only. I'm, I'm phoning. He's coming. The spokesperson. And then Maja is national. Remember, it must yeah. go down. Mm -hmm. Well, until, until it comes to me. Of course I understand. Mm. And the spokesperson, what is his name? He will tell you when he comes. When you are already writing okay. and then... Um, mm. I wrote here, Hillbrow Clinic. Over 500 a day. And then the word M. I'm not trying to trick anyone. I'm literally just asking for my information. Because I've never but been you, here you before. Know, you know when the information is wrong. And then I think maybe the way... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She, she didn't understand whether it's for now or mm. on an everyday basis. Okay. I'm sorry to disturb you. I'll sit outside. After a very frustrating day, 
which Alex eventually chalked up to miscommunication between national and provincial departments, she called her liaison for clarity. Hi, it's me again. Hi. Yeah. I'm saying, you know, the most frustrating thing is that both local and international media, they, they want to support us, but, you know, these guys don't see that, and, you know, it's so frustrating. And uh, the other thing is, this has become so political, you know, in, in, in that... No, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they must just be transparent. They don't know why they are playing hide-and-seek when it's not even necessary to do so. The gold this week from our editors was get a ride along in one of these clinics. And believe me, it's not just Sunday Times trying to do that. It is every media house in the country. And so the first thing I did to try and get a ride along was to speak to the National uh, Health Department. They said it shouldn't be a problem. They in turn spoke to the um, uh, National Health Laboratory Services. Those are the people who are actually running these clinics. So these these are they're basically a, like a minivan um, turned into a clinic where they could um, take your samples and then take them to the labs at the end of the day. So it would take about one one to three days uh, for you to get your results back. This is a, basically a saving grace. It's, it's a great initiative by the government. So I was given permission by the National Health Laboratory Services to get a ride along in one of these vehicles. Basically, what I wanted to do was record um, the day from beginning to end speaking to the men and women who actually worked in these stations they're putting their lives at risk and it's a beautiful it's a beautiful story that the issue was that there was a breakdown in communication between the various departments so the national health department gave us permission and the national health laboratory services gave us permission all these permissions were given, but nobody had informed the actual hospital. So once we got to the clinic, we were not allowed uh, entrance into the clinic. The spokesperson then spoke to all, all of the media houses. Everybody was there. And he basically said, if you do not have permission from the provincial health department, who then had to get permission from him then we are not allowed to report. Much like me, the other houses all said, but they had got permission from the National Health Department. And he, the response by the spokesperson, and he refused to give me his name, was that he does not answer to the National Health Department. He answers to the Provincial Health Department. So, I mean, that, that is the most bizarre thing I've ever heard. But I understand that this, these are strange times. Everybody's trying to do their best. But while Alex was trying her best to keep calm while navigating interdepartment communication breakdowns, something was brewing in her throat. So, I mean, we all... So, I mean, we all... So, I mean, we all... It's been a long day. Two weeks into lockdown, and Alex had developed flu-like symptoms, and her doctor was concerned that she may have contracted the virus. 
Tuesday, day 12 of the lockdown, I am at the Morningside Medi Clinic. I've been asked to come here by a doctor because I'm displaying some of the symptoms of the virus. Um, usually at this time I display these symptoms um, and if it was an average year I would just put it down to uh, allergies but because I've been and because I'm going into um, into communities where people are high risk I think it's just fair that I make sure that I am not exposing them to to uh, danger um, very concerned because I've been told this nasal swab is horrendous so basically the symptoms are you know the, the main symptom really to look out for is the shortness of breath or some kind of um, uh, issue with your breathing I do have asthma um, and I am wheezing at the moment um, and that's that's normal for this time of year for me um, I've also got a very dry cough which is a little bit abnormal if I don't have the virus then I certainly am uh, sick <laughs> have a bit of flu or something um, and um, a fever general malaise so that is what happens you first have to go into screening and um, if you are if you are approved then um, then you go in for the test and um, why are you coming to be screened have you got symptoms um i have the symptoms uh, my doctor said because of my occupation it would be a good idea for me to come and be screened um so i've got the dry cough which i usually don't have um, but usually this time of year I do get a bit of sinus but I'm also having like a wheeze I do have asthma but it's it's exercise and juice so for me to be having asthma now is very strange um, yeah um, nose is running I mean if I don't have I definitely have a cold definitely have a cold I'm not well so that was the um, basically the screening what they call the screening so they chat to you there if you if it's unlikely that you will actually have the uh, virus then this is where they tell you you know that um, you can you can probably go home and maybe just self-isolate and in 14 days if you do develop symptoms then come back we gave Alex a few rare moments of privacy in the doctor's office while she was being tested but caught up with her again as soon as she left the office. That was the most horrible thing that has ever <laughs> happened to me. That swab goes literally... Have you ever had water up your nose? It feels like that the whole time. They stick it there for a minute and then they put one right down your throat and have quite a gag reflex. So yeah, but everyone's really friendly and happy and uh, it's, it appears that I'm the 11th person to come in today. Roughly 24 hours later, Alex got her result. I'm Dr. Sue. I'm phoning from the Morningside Emergency Unit. Um, just to tell you that your COVID screen is negative. Oh, wonderful news. Thank you okay, so much, you're welcome. Thank Have a lovely you. evening eh? and, and keep safe. Too. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye. 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 Alex took a shaky sigh of relief, and so did everyone else at the Sunday Times. Graham and Alex collected hours of audio in the second week of South Africa's national lockdown. Unfortunately, there is just not enough time to share it all with you. But luckily for us, our reporters stopped to reflect on the week that had passed. Two weeks into the national lockdown, and this is what they had to say. My second week was not as uh, productive as my first week. I unfortunately was struck down by a flu, which uh, the doctors say is viral, but it's not the virus, thank goodness. Um, but it has still kind of left me in bed and shattered. So I have been a very boring reporter this week. I have uh, been out once and from then on I had to stay indoors. Uh, uh, especially um, once I'd had the test, they wanted me to stay inside until I'd found out what the results were. And quite frankly, I was uh, in no state to leave the house. So um, like many of us uh, or many people possibly listening, it is colds and flu uh, season. So... I'm sure a lot of you are feeling very ill at the moment, very frail. And unfortunately, that is the season. It might, for some of us, uh, leave us a bit scared about our um, diagnosis. But um, what I can tell you from going through the process is that if you are diagnosed with the virus, what they have you do is stay at home. Um, they don't march you off to any kind of isolation ward or, or anything like that you will only go to hospital if you are struggling to breathe if, if there's a medical reason for you to be in hospital if you are just uh, found positive but you are just you know sick they will tell you to go home they want you to to uh, have some carenza throat lozenges everything that you would normally do if you had the flu the virus is serious. It is taking lives in South Africa. I think the most notable story for the week is the uh, St. Augustine's Hospital, which is in Durban. Um, 66 staff members have um, tested positive for the virus. Unfortunately, you know, there's possibility that a lot of people would have come in contact with the virus and then taken public transport. They've had to shut the whole uh, the hospital down. It's the end of the second week of the national lockdown. I've spent most of the time covering COVID-19 stories from, from my office here at home. Um, worked in quite a few and different and interesting pieces. And for me, one of the the biggest reflections and thoughts that I'm taking from this, this week is along child-headed households. Um, and while doing an interview on the impact of an extended lockdown would be on the country. It really came home and it was, I was really forced to think about what this means. Um, we've been doing a, a forward-looking story for, for the week that's coming. And with 55,000 child-headed households out there, it's basically starvation. I mean, many of these these households rely on school feeding schemes to to get their food 
supplies, their, their basics. And with schools shut, it means that these kids just can't get food. South Africa is in store for a longer lockdown than we had initially anticipated, and the pinch is being felt across the country. Confirmed cases and related deaths are mounting, but we remain hopeful that the efforts taken by the government, essential services, and communities will make a difference. For many South Africans, week two also marks Easter weekend. And for those of you who celebrate, we at Multimedia Life wish you a happy Easter. And to all South Africans, please stay informed and stay safe. For Boots on the Ground, behind SA's National Lockdown, a production of Multimedia Live, I am Zama Lutuli. You are listening to Boots on the Ground, behind SA's National Lockdown. Boots on the Ground is a short podcast series documenting South Africa's national lockdown as a result of the outbreak of COVID-19. Boots on the Ground is a true piece of mobile journalism. All interviews, voices, and sound effects have been gathered using nothing but smartphones. Boots on the Ground is a production of Multimedia Live, a division of Arena Holdings. Narration done by Samar Lutuli. Audio gathered by Graham Hoskin and Alex Patrick. Sound design and editing by Paige Muller. Production by Multimedia Head Scott Peter Smith. To catch the next episode of Boots on the Ground for free, please subscribe to the podcast on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.